Hello, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit, where we take a sideways look at modern businesses, talking to founders and entrepreneurs about the problems they face and how they solve them. I'm Andy Uri, and alongside me is my co-host, Pippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. Hello, Pippa. And a quick reminder, if you like what we do here, please rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at B-I-Z without B-S. Now, with that being said, our guest this week is Suki Jutner, who is the co-founder of Market Orders, an online B2B platform for the gold and diamond jewelry industry. She's won numerous awards, including Asian Woman of Achievement, Female Entrepreneur of the Year, and named Top 100 European Digital Pioneer by the Financial Times and Google. Jesus, do you get that? Like, is that what it says on the thing? <laughs> it does. It must have been a massive <laughs> award, yeah. Especially big, you know, uh, or very small letters. It uh, was very small letters. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think that one through. Anyway, she is leading international speaker and influencer in tech, qualified IBM blockchain foundation developer, and holds board positions with the Mayor of London's Digital Skills Partnership, the Department of International Trade in the UK, and is the associate of the University College London Centre for Blockchain technologies boom check that out (laughs) and if it wasn't enough uh, Suki is also an author of a range of publications in fintech and blockchains technology we're in very good company indeed Suki welcome to the podcast thank you Andy and thank you Pippa it's really awesome to be here with you guys today and I can't wait to jump in and get started I just think that's a, such a good list of achievements. We've wasted completely. our life, Pippa. I know. Oh, I don't know about your <laughs> no, CV. No, no, I my... definitely have. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. <laughs> but it's great, too, that you've got such good knowledge in blockchain. We, I, this, I have, I have um, many, many questions, but it's... Um, anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. So, I mean, what's keeping you busy at the moment? Yeah, so I think it's just uh, slowly sort of thawing out of the pandemic and the after effects of that, really, and just sort of like coming back into the world, um, building the business again, and just sort of like seeing what the new landscape looks like. So it feels good. Um, it feels positive to be, you know, back out there again, because I think the last two years I was saying to Pippa have been really difficult for everyone. And So even as an online business, it was, was hard for you guys? Yeah, because we were on the on the verge of launching our new marketplace. So we were still sort of signing up customers and talking to suppliers. But when the pandemic hit, that really had to be sort of put on hold for a little Mm. while. And then as the pandemic sort of continued going, we had to make some decisions to sort of push back the launch of the the new uh, features that we had. And then... um, Yeah, we just take it from there. So it was just more about how do we look at making sure the business survives this time. And then I think the plus side of it is we've learned a lot about the new trends that customers have. And so we've taken all those learnings and are redeveloping the marketplace to make sure that it's it's really on point and really great for our customers. Let's understand this marketplace. What it, how does it work exactly? Yeah, so what we are building and about to launch is a marketplace where we're connecting suppliers who are based internationally and they supply gold and diamond jewellery products as well as gold bars. But we just focused on jewellery. Finished jewellery. Correct, yeah. yeah. And we are connecting them to independent retail shops on the high street. So we are enabling the shops to, instead of flying out to international um, conferences and trade shows, to manually buy the products and then ship it back on aeroplanes, we're allowing them to do it all online. So it's a bit like a delivery for the suppliers and the wholesalers. 
let's wind the clock back and go back to your first ever job. I worked in a shop. I worked ah, at Primark. So I was like 16. I worked in the lingerie department. Yes. Ah, the men's favourite, <laughs> least favourite department. You know. Yeah, and my uh, sisters used to say, you spend all your day just picking up knickers from the floor. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> There's that brilliant episode of Father Ted where they get stuck in the lingerie department. Have you seen oh, that? I, I, Fantastic. I'm, I'm sure it represents how I feel. We feel men just don't know what to do in the lingerie department. Yeah, because when I was working in that department, um, the, the women would obviously come in and have a look at stuff and their partners would be standing like maybe like half a metre just outside the line where, where it divides yeah, the lingerie from the kids section or whatever. But you could always tell they were like trying to look at the items and then pretending that they're waiting well, for their wife. Is, is suddenly, because my mum, you know, shopping with my mum in, you know, Selfridges when I was younger, suddenly there wouldn't be anyone in the lingerie department <laughs> and mum are pissed off and you think, I don't have a good old look now. <laughs> so you go in and start having a look round and, yeah. and then other people would turn up again and then you'd be so busted and you'd just be like oh, oh, I'm looking at bras you know run yeah. what did you think of Primark now as a retail uh, phenomenon they have done incredible and what really amazes me is they have no online presence do they not? no they don't have any on- they, they had a meeting and said fuck that yeah and, and actually shops are like I like jumble sales. Yeah, yeah they are. They are. But what they've actually done to their credit is they've, they're they trying to make it more like an experiential experience. So I um, read that one of their largest stores, I think it's in Oxford Street. Yeah, there's one go at in. either end of Oxford Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you can go in, you can have a coffee, you can have a massage, you can have a facial. So there's this whole thing going on inside, which... I didn't obviously have Where access to But of a, of a, <laughs> weekend, still there. Yeah. <laughs> of a weekend, there's also about 20,000, 25,000 people, yeah. teenage girls in there. I can imagine. I live very near it and okay. it's terrifying. Well, yeah. they, they say Let's the future in. is you walk in, it will scan your shape and size. Oh, you know, yeah. You, you, you can, you, you, whatever item you, whatever item you look at, it will show you a picture of you in it. You know, right, you, yeah. And, and you then you don't have lots of items because it knows your size. Yeah. So it'll show you what you're looking at. And if you want, they, they keep sizes and you can go and try one on. But there's basically a very limited stock. And then you say yes, and it's delivered at home, like, that moment by the Uber, mm. basically. Brilliant. And so take you, you home, you know. Andy, you yeah. won't have had this experience, but changing rooms for women are just terrible places. Are they hilarious? But, well, because... Normally, quite often in those kind of shops, you have kind of like communal changing rooms. And there oh, really? will always be like... Women do. Men yeah. never have communal changing rooms. <laughs> and there'll always be like it. one really skinny girl, oh, beautiful girl, oh, trying God. on clothes with her friends going, oh no, I look really bad in this. Oh, and she my looks God. absolutely amazing. Yeah. And you just don't want to take your clothes off in front of anybody. It's awful. Yeah. Which I, I've never in my life seen a change. What, you you take your clothes off in front of other people? Uh. I must go into women's changing rooms more often. They're much yeah, more fun than yeah. I realise. <laughs> I haven't lived. Now, back in the men's, we're all solitary, taking our jeans on and off, you know, I mean, not sure whether we like it's much better than it used to be. There's less of it. But less it used of it. to be like... Yeah. yeah, that's so and irritating. The wild wide your mum would be going, "Come on, come on, try yeah. the next thing." Actually, on. Like, oh. it's so embarrassing. I think we all know someone like this, and maybe they've grown out of it now. We've got older, but you know, someone who's really good looking who spends the whole time doing exactly that kind of like, <laughs> oh, you know, I just I look so fat in this. Or, I oh, we used to work with someone like, like that, and bless her, carpet. she's a nice lady. But I never told her. But fuck, did he used to piss me off? It really did. Anyway, so I've got a lot of problems. Well, we've, anyway, we've, we've, we've smashed it there. So then 
then you went to university, presumably, and the graduate yeah. training scheme. Yes. So I went to uni, then I sort of just followed what everyone was uni? doing. I went to Royal Holloway, University ah, of London. Where my mom went. Really? In Slough yeah. or in... Uh, no, um, Egham. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's in Egham. That's it. Yeah, 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 sorry. And yeah, I was I was really happy to go there. I think it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Pippa, but it was the first university in, in, in the UK to accept women. Oh, it might have been. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What, like a hundred years ago? Yeah, a hundred years ago, yeah. Slightly wow. more than a hundred so, years ago. I would have they were having yeah. a bit of a woman's shortage in yeah. England and they were like, <laughs> any ideas, anyone? That, I mean, so, it's yeah. incredible that it's so, yeah. so recent that, you know, yeah. really women got allowed to like, you know, educate. Yeah, it's, it's mad. It's mad. So yeah, I went to university. I did, uh, I studied economics and then I went oh, to gosh. join, yeah. Was it? Why? Yeah, it was, I, I don't know. I asked myself all the time. It was very. It was. It was a really tough degree. It did was they really do that tough. thing they did when I did a bit of economics that you get into like class six and then they just like right basically after 1973 nothing makes any sense. Yeah, did they do that. <laughs> they do. And you're like, okay, <laughs> so what do we do? Yeah. But also, Sorry. presumably, it's not. It's not necessarily something you do at school, so you've got no idea whether you're going to like it or not. Absolutely, true, true it, it's so true. It is so weird how they don't teach economics at all until you get to university mm. and um obviously I didn't really have a, a, a clue what I was doing but I was just muddling along but I had studied business studies at, uh when I was doing A levels and there was like one little unit on economics so um yeah I just went for that it was a really tough degree but I enjoyed it I enjoyed the experience then I went into a graduate job at Citigroup and I think two weeks into doing that job I sort of discovered that my soul was aching because I just thought I can't actually do this job it's what it's were you just doing at Citigroup? Was it just too boring? Yeah, that- it was just boring. I uh, didn't really realise, but I sort of signed up to doing a two-year programme where I actually agreed to become a management accountant. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and like... Careful. I'm more of a, <laughs> a, of a, of a words kind of girl, you know. Yeah. I, tax, tax, you're into That's tax. That's what we like to hear. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I will deal with numbers, but they're not really my best friend. I do it right. quite grudgingly. I'm so you more, did economics and then went to be a management accountant? <laughs> Yeah, you might have come to that realization a teeny tiny bit late. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But like, to my defense, I mean, who really knows what they're doing at twenty one? No one. Yeah. Certainly not no. your yeah. careers advisor. Yeah. I oh mean. my god. Yeah. Actually, I remember my one careers uh, meeting I had when I graduated, and she said she didn't even look up when I walked in. She said, "What did you study?" I said, "Economics." And she gave me a, a leaflet that said, "How to train to be an economist." And I was like, "Oh my what? god, I really want to like get away from this." I think we're all frustrated we weren't told to be rock stars by the... Um, yeah. But think about it. You're you're a careers advisor handing out that advice today. You've got to tell... They're going to go home and tell their mum and dad what they've told to be. Yeah. And you've got to tell everyone to be accountants and engineers. Because if yeah. you said, son, you know what, you'd make a wicked rock star. I've looked <laughs> yeah. at you. You've got everything it takes, you know. So you've Yeah, you're be super cool. You're yeah. super cool. <laughs> Even I like you already. I want to have sex with you and I only just met you. Rock star, you know. <laughs> So what, what was your biggest mess up, do you think? Was that maybe the mistake in your career path? Or? Okay, so I think the biggest mess up, I think in hindsight, is not making the change soon enough. So I knew within two weeks of starting that job that it was not really good for me. It was not aligned to my skills and it wasn't the place I really wanted to grow and develop. And I, I just had this yearning that I knew I wanted to do something more creative. I wanted to... I was just so impressed with people like um, uh, Branson, Richard Branson, 
all those entrepreneurial types. And I was just amazed with how they were creating businesses and that lifestyle element to it as well. I wasn't so keen on working 12, 15 hours a day and I did that. Yeah, no, I feel like that too. Yeah, I just didn't want to do that. Bookbinding is coming ever closer (laughs) in this conversation. (laughs) So yeah, uh, it was uh, like two weeks. I knew in my gut I was in the wrong place, but it took me another two years to actually have the courage to get out. And the, um, uh, the really like painful part was I actually had to pay for all the exams so I'm like I don't tell I mean all these qualifications you've seen on my LinkedIn profile and whatever but the one I don't ever share with people which I'm doing now is like I am actually a secretly part qualified management accountant but I don't (laughs) want people to like contact me and ask me to do their accounts or I don't want job opportunities and that so yeah and so uh, it was yeah uh, I had to pay for recognizing when to make the change early that's tough but that comes with age don't you feel I think there's two parts to that decision first is recognizing that you're actually in a place that isn't really conducive or helpful to you and then the second part to that is actually having the courage to Mm. say I'm going to change my way I'm going to change my path because remember at this point I've just sort of told everyone that I've just graduated from uni and I've got this amazing job and everyone's like okay you're on the right track it's really difficult to say okay actually um, I'm not going to do this and then the next question is what are you going to do next and I at that point I didn't know but I knew it was not that so I think life is really about that's a lot in your head you know yeah people don't really give a shit no yeah you're you're right you're but, right. it, but, it, but, but for me, the, the first step that you say, recognizing that I don't want to do it, the feeling isn't that clear. What it is, is you, if, and, 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 and if this means anything to anyone, it's like f- follow your gut is that if you don't feel quite right about it, that's enough. Yes. Whether it be a relationship or a job, yeah. it, it should feel great mm-hmm. or good, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and if it, I don't know, does a job feel good? But follow those inklings absolutely I mean this is I think it's a book it's something um, or a podcast and it's something goes along the lines of if it's not a hell yeah then it's a no yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly that's true I mean, my sister told me the great thing about relationships, you know, when she was talking, she was like, your independence is amazing. Being independent fucking rocks. Yeah. Yeah. And and don't give it up for anything other than even more amazing, you know, which is hard to find. Okay, people want families, complicated things. But on a base level, you know, yeah, for, for sure. So, I mean, the, the second one, your second reason you gave is very true too, the bravery stuff. What did you say? Do you just bowl in there with your resignation or? Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I just said like, well, I was still so polite about it. I wish I had just been so much more ruder, <laughs> to be Kick honest. The door down. Yeah. Stick it. <laughs> Something really dramatic, but I was like really polite. And I wrote um, a resignation letter and just said, I just want to move on to uh, other things. And then I moved, then I, um, I was looking for other jobs, like just trying to find my way. And I fell into project management work, uh, working for a consultancy. And it's sort of in the same field, finance, but what I loved was this company I had joined. So from Citigroup, which had 300,000 people globally, so many offices worldwide, I had basically uh, moved to a very small, almost like a startup consultancy. It was a very small company at that time. It was called Capco, capital markets um, company. They were doing consultancy. They were they're like an Accenture or um, wow. KPMG. And when I joined, there was like 60 people in the company at that stage. So I was like one of the first um, very junior people to come in and I was there for five years and over the five years it grew from 50 people to 5,000 people fuck off 
It's big. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, then I did that for three years running my own consultancy. And I, I, I think at that point I realized I, I found something that I loved. I loved working on projects. I loved working on transformational things. And I did like working with like finance related stuff. But then I think the yearning, the itch was still there that I still didn't want to turn up at an office and do this 95 kind of thing. I was sort of craving for that freedom and wanting to have a bit like a better lifestyle and just choosing my own path. And that's when I met my co-founder Ram and he was working on, um, these multiple projects and he's actually quite experienced in uh, uh, this gold industry. He's been doing things in this space for quite a while. So he came to me with this idea and he asked me, could you just come in and project manage it for a while? So that's what I was doing sort of part-time. And then I decided I really wanted to go full in a hundred percent in and just like give it my best shot. So no regrets. I've loved every second. It's been the hardest um, experience ever, but I've learned so much. And I think, uh, again, like with, um, with experience, you get wisdom. You just learn so much um, when you are actually learning how to manage a team because you actually actually understand at that point you have to learn to manage yourself yeah and that self-awareness yeah self-awareness being emotionally intelligent understanding how do you take care of the business today and still looking like one or two years in the future as an employee you don't think about these things at all you don't worry about just do your job well you do in the essence that you think that people are doing it back they're like i've run this place much better what's going on no one tells me anything (laughs) not a stupid decision this week you know when did you actually write three the, the books though yeah so I because there are some books in there somewhere yeah so there's three the books five? she works too yeah. hard so I'll tell you what when I was running my own consultancy it was coming up to like three end of the third year and I said to myself I really want to make this change but my burning desire so I know you asked me what was my first job but my first like desire what I wanted to be was I've always wanted to be an author since I was a kid. So I'd always be reading like multiple books uh, when I used to go to the library. I'm a voracious reader. I love books. And I think my secret, like if I was not doing any other job, I'd probably be a librarian. So maybe me and people could like, yeah, team up, up, right? I could write the books. You could do the book binding and cover design. So um, I've always wanted to write a book and I was kind of trying to figure out where I wanted to go in my life. Um, Do I want to continue with this consultancy or do I want to um, start this? Uh, startup with my co-founder and I was sort of like trying to figure out what is my purpose and what do I want to do in my life and that's when I basically started writing this book and this book is called Escape the Cubicle How to Quit the Job You Hate and Create a Life You Love and it was at that point that I finally like another sort of like truth bomb dropped it's not about yeah it's not about moving from job to job and finding your happiness in there and that was my earlier mistake I was trying to find my happiness in the different jobs with I was a CV doing. which said economics yeah, management yeah. accountant uh, exactly Hello, All can the I things. work in this no <laughs> <laughs> and so I sort of realized that your work and your job is only one aspect of you and you have to actually bring your whole soul and being to the work that you do mm. your work is it's much bigger than just turning up at a desk I get irritated with this do what you love yeah I, I like your answer better it's like yeah. You know, be, no, be fully not you at work and give yeah. it all. Yeah. You know, and, and in a way, that's loving your work. That's just sort of like just, just, just love life. Because yeah. uh, you know, my favorite thing in the world is having a bath. 
but I can't get a I job really, doing that's it. That's like literally Bloody one of my favourite things in the world. <laughs> Bloody love having a buff. But you, if I could get him paid to do it, I would. But yeah. not know, everybody can do... Professional bathing. You bath oils. You've got to be the leading writer yeah, blog yeah, on bath really oils. I forget a blog. She could be like a YouTube influencer. Yeah. Live streams from the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure people would want to watch that. No, no, but you could, you could just, you could come up with a really cool way of doing it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the dark, I think would be the well, coolest. Well, you know, however. <laughs> and now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. What do you find most uncomfortable then about being in business? Oh, I think it's probably when you realise you made a wrong decision and then you have to sort of um, change your decision and do admit something else. Yeah, admitting it, yeah. To yourself yeah. as well. Yeah, admitting it to yourself as well. So I think that is difficult, but it's something that I am constantly working on and sort of like trying to depersonalise decisions. The way I think about it now is, is this decision um, a poor quality decision or is it high quality? If it's poor quality, it means it's going to damage the business or damage people. Is it a high quality decision? That means it's going to be good for the business or it's going to be good for the people. And sort of just trying to sort of like depersonalize it or think about it in that context. So I think, yeah, just knowing, um, moving quicker and following that gut feeling. Like you said before, if you feel something's off, then go with it and make that decision. Don't drag it out for so long. And and what do people most misunderstand about the kind of employer role, the, the being the boss? I think that they think we as bosses sort of uh, don't do much all day. Yeah, that because we're the, yeah we're the owners. Just so. recording podcasts oh, in the middle of the afternoon. You yeah, know. you know they own the company. They don't need to worry about stuff. But the truth is, I think as bosses, you are worrying about everything. You are worrying about your employees. If they're okay, you know there's a responsibility on your shoulders. Before it's okay when it's just you. But I feel, I, f- I really feel it knowing that there's people depending on us and pay checks are going out every month and we need to make sure the money's in the bank to be able to do that. To pay them. And yeah. actually on a basic level, which I think people miss, people think, oh, people don't care about me as an employee and, you know, they don't have any, and, and, and they're only interested in money. Well, even if we're only interested in money, when you leave, you were doing something that I needed to be done for this thing yeah. to make money. And it and 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 that's very 
crass way of putting it, but you know, you're devastated when a good member of staff says yes. they're leaving. I mean, you usually really like them as well. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. You have to like you know, the you, people you, love you them, work with. Yeah. But fundamentally, what you're devastated about is someone who's brilliant at their job because yeah. you're like, fuck, the machine's a bit broken now. Yeah. Please don't leave. And so it's in no one's interest to treat their employees anything other than as best they can, you know? Yeah. And I'd also say as well, I sort of go out of my way to make sure that the people that are working with us, I I say to them, do you actually want to be here? Because I have worked at organizations yeah. where I didn't want to be there and I didn't Has bring- anyone said no, actually? Yeah. If they say no, what do you do? Well, I think I've never said- Or do they all say- They yes. know, they, yeah, they, they, all they, they, they say something in the middle, maybe. Sometimes. Yeah, because most of the time they probably want the job or something like that. But I think it becomes very obvious after a few months if they are happy there and if they're doing the job. And I have been at organizations where I, I, I couldn't bring my full self to it because I was not enjoying it. And I think you just have to, uh, again, it comes down to the, the way you want to live your life. Life is way too short to do stuff you don't like. And each one of us has amazing, unique skills, which are amazing for certain roles. So if you're really good at numbers, then I want you to be my accountant because yeah. you're good at that. You're going to spot things and you, you will go out of your way to make sure you've done a great job. But if you're someone like me who has me. trouble with, you know, what, what's that credit or debit thing again? You know, could you just tell me? I wouldn't be able to do a great job. So I want to work with people who are great at oh dear, what they I do. I better hand in my resignation. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to accountancy than numbers. What are you most excited about for the business? Um, I think just um, launching the new website, um, getting our customers on board and just taking it from there. And uh, yeah, Actually just, seeing it work. Yeah, seeing it work. So that'd be exciting. So yeah. Uh, you're getting this business launched. Is that there any other business focuses currently going on? Are you mentoring or are you? Oh yeah. I mean, I do loads of mentoring actually. Um, uh, you I'm make involved. a great mentor, I think. Oh, yeah. thank you. I should be charging for my truth mm. bombs actually. That yeah. is, I love that truth bomb too. <laughs> so yeah, I do loads of mentoring actually. Uh, I speak at schools through Founders for Schools. And then I also mentor loads of startup founders who are just beginning at the beginning stage of their businesses or they're just launching. Um, yeah, and I do that across the board through a number of accelerators. What's your programs. approach? Do you, do you kind of like get all like, you know, I'm going to kick their ass or you like give no, them lots of love? No, I think with mentoring, you, you know, like there's, a, there's only... Whenever you ask anyone for advice, so before, when I was very new to this journey, I would take everyone's advice like, it, it, this is what I must be doing. But mm. only in hindsight and with wisdom, I learned that when you tell me something, you're only going to be able to share that experience or wisdom from your from your sort of perspective. And what worked for you may not necessarily work for me. Mm. And Again, with wisdom, I learned how to say thank you for your uh, feedback, but it's not suitable for me. And then having the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to do what I think is right. So every time I do any mentoring, I always start off with, these are my suggestions. This is what worked for me. Mm. But you know your business, you know what you want to do, and you have to have the courage to follow your gut. And hey, if you fuck it up, it's okay. You can get up and you can try again. This is what business is. You are, you cannot... It's one big, long, wonderful experiment. Yeah. And I love it. And and we have the limited company to protect your ass, really. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The only thing I would just say is, again, with hindsight, I've noticed that I used to tell everyone you should start your own business, you should run your own business. Only now I've noticed that there are certain 
personality yeah, traits that you have to have. Not everyone is yeah. right for it. Not everyone can. What traits cope with are that. not so good? Do you think? <laughs> okay, you have to be okay with the uncertain. You have to be confident in making your decisions and owning those decisions. Yeah. You have to be able to lead yourself before you can lead others. Okay. You may not get a paycheck every month. Yeah. You and you have to be okay with that uh, instability. Some people thrive on it. It's like when you talk to your financial advisor and he makes you that risk assessment and he's like, if you had a hundred pounds today, how comfortable are you losing losing it if we invested it? You're like, no, I need that hundred pounds. Then he'll say you have to keep your money in cash. You can't put it in a in, in you can't invest it in, you know gold. Gold or yeah, or whatever, right? Well gold's doing very well. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> it is going very well at this point in time. <laughs> so it's a bad time to buy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you just um they are different personality yeah, traits. I think that's right. And there's people who are comfortable with, you know, routine. So you you should just stick to that. And I also think it's true that the personality traits that founders have, entrepreneurs have, don't really work necessarily when the business gets a lot bigger. Yeah. You know, that actually you need that kind of almost like a finder, minder, grinder thing. But, you know, founder... Sorry, sorry, take that step back. Finder, minder, Have grind. you never heard that? No. It's the law firm speak. Is it? You need people that will find the work, people that will look after the work and people that will just get it done. Mm-hmm. Finder, minder, grinder. Yeah. So people that find clients, people that look after the client and people that do the work. Christ. And you don't often get the same person yeah. doing all three things. If you could change one thing in this wonderful world of ours, or very troubled, sad world at the moment, but um, still wonderful in its own way, uh, well, is there anything you'd love to change? I think it would be, I wish a lot more people had the courage to follow what makes them happy. Because there, if there is no peace in this world, it's because there is no peace within ourselves. Mm. Gosh, that was very profound. That's deep. <laughs> happy people don't go making people miserable. But if you are miserable, you're not happy with your life, you're not happy with what you're doing, you're more likely to spread that around yourself. Love makes love, hate makes hate. Yeah. I mean, I see that within myself. I was quite miserable, I think, probably to be around when I was working in jobs I was not happy being in. But since doing what I love, I'm happy, happier and I feel I can spread that around to, you know, more people. My problem is, is does everyone get to do what they love? Are there enough jobs? I'm off to have a bath after this, yeah. so it's all fine. No, yeah. you know what, Andy, what I'd say is, I think it's your moral obligation and duty to honour what it is you want to do in this life. We all have a choice. Yeah. And it just takes, the only difference is that, that courage line. Yes, you might have a mortgage and five or six kids and you feel like you can't drop everything and be that rock star you want to do you want to be but you can still make some changes no i'm actually going even lower down people who work in an abattoir you know for i mean it's like what what i i had this theory it was like um you know you should be paid according to how good shit the job is so it's 200 quid an hour for the sewers you want to be a rock star it's a penny a week you know because you know what i mean and it would be interesting thing i i just um I just worry that the expression of saying that, you haven't quite said that, you said something and I'm finding it almost answering something that's been bothering me for ages. You said a slightly more profound thing, which is more about kind of loving life on a sort of, you know, bringing yourself to the job, but, you know, yeah, don't do something that doesn't quite fit you, certainly if you've got an option to change. You know, if you've got no option to change, then probably you're in such a difficult situation um, that, 
you've got to be positive and love what you're doing nonetheless, you know. I actually I think of the Indian and Sri Lankan community in a way because there's a there's a real positive nature always to them. And, you know, you you, you look at um, people in this country often doing quite shit jobs. And I've always noticed in Indian and, and, and Sri Lankan culture that the attitude with which they take that job is so positive. Uh, you know, Ed, who works for this business, fantastic man. You know, he started originally as a cleaner as us. And honestly, he used to come in my room, you know, that coming to America scene. He'd be like, excuse me, sir, may I take your bin? You know that's <laughs> amazing. And he would do it every day, and, and I'd be like, after, and he, he's a wicked keyboard player. We jam together and stuff. He's such a cool guy. Um, but you know, we got friends, and he'd still come and do my own. I'd be like, Ed, man, you can you can empty my bin anytime. You know, like oh, so asking, I was asking him something the other day, and he was just like. Uh, no, I don't want to put you out your way, but could you? And he was like, I want to work. Yeah. You know? And the way he said it and the enthusiasm, you know. Amazing. And, 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 and all of those jobs, they don't seem bad. I mean, he's a driver for the business now and he's great. He drives this wicked electric car we gave him and I can see he's super happy and stuff. But you can see that, I think he even enjoyed being a cleaner. And what because what's fucking wrong with being a cleaner? Yeah, you know. Again, it just comes down to the energy you bring to stuff. And I remember there was this one guy. He used to be um, like a waiter in was in a diner, and he said that he had a moment of realization when he he decided he was going to stop waiting around and start serving his customers. And that was a really profound mm. shift. Instead of just waiting for yes, them, he so was going to serve them. And so- And enjoy I, it. Yeah. And get tips and all yeah, of that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's just, it comes down to that energy. How do you want to bring yourself to life in this world? And remember as well, not everything, nothing is set in stone. You, what you are doing today might change tomorrow. Maybe your priorities it, for the next two years is going to be, I want to be a great mom. And then later when your kids are big, actually, I want to start my own business and be the best businesswoman I can be. So your life changes, it evolves. And I think that sometimes we get a little bit too fixated on if I do this one thing, I have to do it forever. So it's just about being flexible. And in my own life, I've changed and shifted so many directions. So many things have happened. And it sort of taught me that things are transient, they change, but you have to um, sort of know what your own guiding light is. And if you can make at least yourself happy, then I think that's worth it. Okay. Top three reads, three pods, any kind of uh, recommendations? For oh, yes. The most recent book I read uh, is actually called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And actually, uh, coincidentally, Pippa, you um, recommended me to listen to one of the previous episodes of um, this podcast mm. and uh, your guest actually named the same book. Oh, really? so it's Untamed, okay. yeah. Um, it's it, probably a sign that I should read it. Yeah, amazing. It's brilliant. It's just about how to sort of be the wild person that you are, not to tame yourself and to sort of step outside the boxes. My second favourite book ever is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I stumbled got across... two books with tethered in uh, no, 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 Untamed. Untamed. untamed okay. yeah. And Untethered. <laughs> the Untethered Soul by Michael Singer oh, is one of the most life-changing books I read. It's quite really? spiritual. I like to read stuff like that. Yeah. And it was just, he he was like, he decided he wanted to give up life and be a monk and meditate in the forest, which he did. Is but he the he, monk who gave up gave up a Ferrari? No, that's a different monk. No, yeah, okay. there's loads of them. <laughs> so this guy went in the middle of the forest, but he still somehow managed to build a billion-dollar software company, which sold for billions of dollars. And then he ended up winding it down and selling it. But it's just an incredible story of, of how spiritual he was, but he was making these this incredible amount of money. And like... While he, he became spiritual and then he formed this brilliant business idea. Yeah, it, it all sort of happened accidentally. He didn't, he accidentally created it. And he it, accidentally went online for 12 hours a day. Yeah. And my third 
third um, book that I recently read was Atomic Habits by James Clear. That's a really great read. It's all about how do we form habits and how do we keep good ones and let go of bad ones. Um, it's really basic, but it's it, like all great advice. It's always simple. Um, but yeah, I would really recommend that. And then one of my favorite podcasts, um, I've recently started to uh, study Ayurveda, which is like the ancient system of the healthcare system yeah. originated in India. India yeah. And yeah, I've just started listening to a podcast about Ayurveda, um, how it impacts your body, mind and soul and spirit. And again, it just comes back down to that integrated way of living. You're not just your job. You're not just that one aspect, but how do you make sure that you are healthy in both body, mind and spirit? And I think this pandemic really taught us the importance of mentally being in a, basically taking care of, of yourself. And what does that, does Ayurveda involve? Oh, it's really about understanding your, uh, they call it your it's constitution. It's just psychological. It's not like you, no, you it, do it, massaging or, you know. No, it's about like your your body. So it's about the five elements that make up the earth also make up you, but in different varying proportions. So you might be someone who has more fire energy. So if you have more fire energy, you are probably going to be more prone to certain ailments and you're probably going to be more hot-headed and more prone to anger outbursts compared to someone who might have more air in their body. They will be more is cool. It, is it considered, um, I'm sorry to say this, by Western medicine in the UK, would it be considered pseudoscience? Like yeah, a, yeah. Sounds remarkably like the full humans from medieval uh, medicine. Okay, I've not heard of that. Yeah. What is the four humours? The four humours, there's like Coleric. Barry, John. Oh, yes, oh, the four humours. Okay. Oh, oh, uh, bile Coleric, or something. Bile, can't remember what they were. One's yeah. heat. Humans, one's... it's not humans. Humours. Humours, yes, yes, yes. So it's just like that. It's, it's really interesting and it just teaches you to, uh, to understand yourself. And uh, it's just been really eye-opening for me, so... Okay, so that brings us to our favorite part of the show, the business versus bullshit quick far round. D, cue the music. This is where we're going to reel off uh, key terms and all you have to do is tell us whether you think it is business or bullshit. Suki, are you ready? I uh, I was born ready. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Diversity quotas. Oh, uh, bullshit. Yes, finally, someone. The last few guests have not got that one right, I felt. Uh, stand up meetings. Business. Mm. Coffee. Tea. So I have to say English should be on here. Yeah. Tea. English tea. breakfast tea, all the PG way. PG tips. Oh, yeah. Oh, that PG would make tips. it much more interesting if we asked coffee and then we said tea. Because <laughs> we're not actually asking you, coffee, what's your favourite drink? <laughs> so coffee, actually, business or bullshit? Business, yeah. Uh, okay, it is. Yeah. But you prefer tea. I prefer tea. Right. Uh, meeting agendas. Oh, bullshit. Yeah, I'm liking these answers. Hour-long meetings. Bullshit. Double bullshit. I didn't even have to finish that one, did I? <laughs> now... Um, I'm going to ask you a question, but my one of this has gone through surgery yesterday and is at home being uh, Don't nursed. feel pressured. Do not so feel pressured. So don't upset him. Uh, office dogs. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm actually afraid of dogs. Ah, <laughs> you wouldn't okay. be afraid of this one. It's no, not very intimidating. All dogs, no, yeah. all dogs will eat me. That's, uh, yeah. But were you bitten when you were young? No, my cousin was. And then she ran through the park with the dog chasing her. Oh then God. I was chasing the dog. I think I was about seven. It was very traumatic. I think that's... It only has to happen once. And then people yeah, are afraid for the rest of their life. Yeah. I am going to try and get over it at one point. So Carbon credits. Um, 
Bullshit. Mm. Mm. Swearing in meetings. Bullshit. Wait a second. Yeah, okay. Mm. You haven't sworn once, have you? Pub lunches. Business. Business, correct. Ding. <laughs> B Corps. Oh, I'm business. Okay. NDAs. Mm. Business. We've kind of created this thing called biz shit. Yeah, I, I would. I, would, I was sitting on the fence there. Yeah. I'd say yeah, biz shit. They help you get information, but they are bullshit. Yeah. Um, un, oh, we must change this. D. Unlimited holidays. Hmm. I actually like that. I'd say business. Do you think the British people wouldn't... I mean, America's the people who's scared of losing their job, but if I've been there for two years, don't you think I'd just be like, woohoo? Well, the funny thing is, I've heard it it, it works the other way around. When you give so many holidays, they actually don't take it. I've heard this, but, you know, I think it must be... ファイトクリーンパパガンダフォンフィーブルウォンタハンレムテトルデイ。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。いや。い
learning I learned it in music, you know, and I've made albums and other people's out and 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 feedback is brutal in, in music, you know, and, and people either like it or they don't like it. And it's, it's the same it's in publishing. In the music industry and publishing like follow the same rhythms and pathways. But it's a great thing to learn, don't you think? Because I find in business that we we're not very clear with feedback sometimes. Yeah. And in you know, if you're doing something creative, you've yeah. got to be clear. Yeah, you like, do. I don't like it. Yeah. You know? It's like, <laughs> oh my god. Okay, uh, so there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you to Suki for joining us and thank you to Pippa. A big thank you to you, dear listener, and we'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at B-I-Z without B-S, where you'll find other stuff. Until next time, it's ciao.